Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fake TV Critic, a podcast where I discuss the week's biggest TV news headlines, recap and analyze some of my favorite shows, and let you know what you should be watching. So first up, Netflix ordered a spinoff of its To All the Boys films, To All the Boys I've Loved, To All the Boys Something, and To All the Boys Always and Forever. I never watched any of these. I know they're based on young adult books. I know that, like teen girls and former teen girls all over are obsessed with them. Um, But the final film in the series was released earlier this year, but they're continuing with a new series called XO Kitty. And it will follow the film's protagonist, Lara Jean, her younger sister, Kitty. And it's going to be 10 episodes, half hour, aimed at a young adult audience like the movies were And it's going to be about this character, Kitty, who if you've watched these movies, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. I'm just reading information because I have never seen this. Um, Kitty is a teenage matchmaker. And she is going to move halfway across the world to reunite with her long-distance boyfriend. And she'll soon realize that relationships are a lot more complicated when it's your own heart on the line. Cool. Um, It's going to be produced by Jenny Han, who wrote the original book to all the boys. And it's going to be run by Sasha Rothschild, who also does Netflix's The Babysitter's Club. So that should maybe give you an idea of like what the tone and feeling of the show is going to be, is that it's The Babysitter's Club potentially mixed with To All the Boys. So that should be coming to Netflix within the next year or so. It was a wild week for news. Um, Alec Baldwin, I'm not really going to talk about this because it's movie news, not TV news, but um, on Thursday night, filming a, a, a movie called Rust in New Mexico, discharged a prop firearm that shot and killed the director of photography on the set of this movie and also injured the director of the movie. And as of now, there is still no real information on how that happened or what even actually did happen. Like how a prop gun somehow gets pointed at a director of photography and the director himself. It's a very odd story. Um, But similarly, there was a near fatal accident on the set of America's Got Talent Extreme, which is the newest spinoff in the America's Got Talent series, which, you know, has the original. Plus they had the champions and they had some kind of like winter thing last year. So now they're expanding into this series that's supposed to be premiering in early 2022 in like January-ish that I don't know if it's even going to happen anymore because production has been suspended after uh, late last week a stuntman was almost killed performing a stunt on this show and I, I i don't really know what this show is supposed to be like i don't know if it's a talent show for stunt people i don't know if it is like an escape artist show i don't know if it's just like a, a show where they re, where they create stunts and make people go oh my god i have no idea what this fucking show is but for some reason, this man, his name was um, John Goodwin, Jonathan Goodwin, was suspended in the air, like in shackles, and had to escape from the shackles while two cars, cars, not like matchbox cars, like full-size vehicles, 
also suspended in midair, were swinging toward him on a collision and explosion course with him. And he uh, did not uh, make it out of the constraints, and he was crushed between the two cars as they exploded, and then he fell 40 feet to the ground and landed on his head. And But the man is still here. He is alive. He is awake. He is in strangely good spirits. He did an interview, or not an interview, he posted on social media, like, saying nana nana boo boo to death, like all burned and scraped and bandaged up. And stuntmen are, stunt people are a special class. I will never understand it. This shit, it's wild. If you, there's a video of it too. Like if you want to see the video, you can find it online. I think it was posted on like TMZ or Yahoo or something like that where I watched it. But yeah, so what a wild week for crazy things to happen on the sets of, on, on production sets, like good Lord. But production on both Rust and America's Got Talent Extreme are postponed indefinitely. So Jesus. Um, and then finally, to bring us down even more, <laughs> um, I'm recording this on Friday. This morning, um, Peter Scolari, who is a much-beloved television actor for many decades, passed away after a two-year battle with cancer at the age of just 66. Uh, Peter Scolari had a very prolific television and especially theater career, or especially television and theater career, also did some film work. He was Tom Hanks's sidekick on the 1980s comedy Bosom Buddies. He also, if you are a millennial like myself, you'll probably remember him from the 90s TV series version of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He was a regular on that. He was also on, um, he won an Emmy actually in 2016 for playing Hannah's dad, uh, Lena Dunham's dad on Girls on HBO. He also very famously was a supporting actor on Newhart, the Bob New- Bob Newhart's second show. He played um, Bob's TV producer, or I guess Dick's TV producer was the character's name. And he was nominated for three Emmys for that as well. When he died, he was currently starring in Evil on Paramount+. Plus. He just appeared. The finale aired maybe two weeks ago, and he was in the final episode there. He did some recent arcs on Fosse Verdon. He was on The Good Fight recently and Law & SVU. He was in the HBO Bernie Madoff um, miniseries. He had done voices on American Dad and uh, the animated Batman series and the new Scooby-Doo series. And he, he was everywhere. And on Broadway, he was a replacement as Wilbur in Hairspray. He was in um, Wicked as the as the wizard. He starred also alongside Tom Hanks in Tom Hanks's Broadway debut in Lucky Guy. He he was in Sly Fox and a few other things. He played Yogi Berra in The Bronx Bombers, which was a play based on the Yankees. He was he was a much loved actor. I loved watching him 
Um, he's very talented, very funny. I, I, I'm sad that he is gone, but uh, Peter Scolari died this morning at the age of 66. So on that really fun note, um, also in renewal cancellation news, we had our first broadcast network cancellation of the season with the CW pulling Killer Camp after only two episodes. I knew this was a bad idea when they announced that it was going to be airing back in uh, May because the first season was fucking terrible and I hated it and no one watched it. The second season, again, TV usage is even lower now. No one was watching it and it was bad. So that got pulled, is replaced by repeats of Masters of Illusion. And this, this is interesting to me because one, we're at a point in TV viewing where ratings are so low across the board that... Networks are ordering fewer TV shows, especially this year with the pandemic. They had a lot, they had, they had many, much fewer options for what they were going to do. So like you'll notice a lot of places like the CW are acquiring shows from other countries and streaming services to air. And Killer Camp is one of those. It was a British show that the CW acquired for season one and then produced this second season. So networks are getting a lot more hesitant to pull series before... Um, they air all their episodes because there's no guarantee that what they replace it with is going to do any better. But in this case, Killer Camp was doing so bad that they're, whatever they replace it with is almost guaranteed to do better, even if it's reruns of Masters of Illusion. Um, but that's why we don't see a lot of like NBC and Fox used to be really quick about pulling the plug on their shows. I mean, we don't always really see that a lot anymore. Um, and the CW especially never does this. They almost like their shows go on fucking forever <laughs> with crap ratings. Like I love Nancy Drew, but look at that show. No one watches Nancy Drew. No one watches Dynasty, but they're still on the air. Um, so that was very odd to me, especially since it was, again, an acquisition and reality. So it was very cheap to produce. So they had, so for them to pull it, they, it, shit must've been dire. And then also Ghosts, which I thought was going to be the first cancellation of the season because it looks wretched on CBS, the comedy about a, uh, people who move into a haunted house and make friends, I guess, with the ghosts that live there. I don't know. The ratings actually went up in its second week. So that is the first series of the season to get a full season order. So good for them. I kind of can't believe it. And then a show on Apple TV Plus that I'd never heard of until it got renewed. Mythic Quest was renewed for seasons three and four. So if you know what that is, be happy. <laughs> All right, coming up this week on the podcast, I'm doing a speed round of reviews of a whole bunch of shows and then also talking about the season finale of American Horror Story Double Feature. So stay tuned for that. A few weeks ago, I had touched on the finale of the first part of American Horror Story's split season, uh, subtitled Red Tide. That was the first six episodes of season 10, I think, were on. And then the last four episodes were a completely new story called Death Valley and dealt with aliens. And uh, that's uh, about as complex as <laughs> this part of the season got. Um, I had fun with it. It was only four episodes. I I didn't like it. Um, I don't have a whole lot to, uh, cri not to critique. I do have a lot to critique because it wasn't very good. I don't have a whole lot, like there wasn't a whole lot to it. Um, I had mentioned when I was talking about Red Tide that one of the things that I thought made that part of the season so strong is that because it was only six episodes long, 
it didn't give the story enough time to truly go off the rails. Like that's the biggest problem with American Horror Story in my eyes is that they start with a really fun premise and usually a really fun like one or two episodes. And then like shit just starts going south because they're padding the fill the runtime, they're filling up air space and it just like they start introducing random characters for no reason. The story goes all over the place. And then before you know it, it's at the end and you're like, what the fuck is going on? How did we get here? Right. Like I'm thinking specifically of like Roanoke that started, I thought like because that season was so secretive, the first episode I was like, oh, this is weird. Okay. And then like by the halfway point, it completely changed and then changed again before the end of the season. And then it, it was just a fucking mess. Like probably if not one of, one of, if not the worst season of American Horror Story. Same thing like Hotel had one or two really strong episodes, but then had eight other episodes to fill and just became a bloated piece of shit. So Red Tide succeeded in that, like, it only had six episodes to tell a story. But this four episodes of Death Valley was strangely just not enough. And I think that's because they tried to split four episodes into two separate timelines. And because of that, they didn't develop either timeline. And then also strangely, they the episode length was short. Like I know well, I'm watching American Crime Story Impeachment right now. And those episodes, I watched that live. So those episodes air from 10 to like almost 1130. Like they go to like 1117 or 1120 or 1124. So without commercials, that's probably really close to an hour of actual TV. With American Horror Story, we typically get a few minutes overrun up to, like this, a half an hour overrun. Like the first episode of Red Tide without commercials was an hour. It was like 54 minutes. That's 15 almost minutes longer than all the episodes of Death Valley. These were all from 10 to 11 live, so like 42 to 44 minutes of actual TV. And when you're then splitting that across two storylines, even if you're splitting it evenly, you're getting 20 minutes per storyline per episode. So altogether, it's like you're watching two made-for-TV movies in length, like an hour and 20-ish minutes for each storyline. And that is not enough to tell the kinds of stories that American Horror Story likes to tell. So Death Valley was... You know, it's about aliens. It's aliens come in the Area 51 in the 50s, 60s, and Eisenhower, like, signs a treaty with the aliens where they can abduct people for experimentation to make a hybrid with an alien and a human because the alien race is dying and they need to save themselves and perhaps... um, crossbreeding with humans will do that and then in exchange they give people technology now that was the entertaining and like the winky kind of campy fun part of uh death valley was that you know they're saying things like microwaves (laughs) came from alien technology and that like to distract from all the abductions is why we had things like the vietnam war and Um, Watergate was because Nixon refused to cooperate with the aliens and that the next, that the first successful human hybrid is scheduled to be born in 50 years, which would make it 2021. So we need to have the ultimate distraction leading up to that. 
so that no one notices that more people are going missing to, you know, uh, speed up the process of the hydra being born. So like COVID and like that was campy and ridiculous to me. But then they're like, they did the American Horror Story thing where in the final episode, they randomly introduced a brand new storyline that got like 30 seconds of airtime where Henry Kissinger is an alien, but he's a different race of alien. He's like a lizard alien. And that's all we get. That like toward the end of the episode when the plan is revealed, spoiler alert, that like the aliens just want to eliminate humans. And like once they breed enough and they have enough hybrids, they're going to eliminate humans and start over because humans destroyed the planet. Um, and they're going to take it back and reclaim it and make it better. That they're going to coexist with these lizard aliens. And it's like, but what? Who are they? Why are they here? What are they doing? How long have they been here? What do they want? We know what you want. What do they want? Why are they hiding as humans if they're just giant lizards? Like, it made no fucking sense. There was no reason for it to be there at all. And it it was so unfinished. It was so weird. So that, regard, anyway, that's not, that's a different animal. So we have that past storyline of, like, meant to be funny and campy because we have, like, familiar actors playing these historical characters like Sarah Paulson is playing Mamie Eisenhower and we got so much fucking screen time of her like touting her accomplishments of like adults celebrate their birthday now because of me Mamie Eisenhower I made Halloween popular I made Thanksgiving popular which like bitch for me that is not something to brag about I hate Halloween and I really hate what we have done to Thanksgiving like Thank you for putting a lot of pressure on people to make perfect holidays, like, and to make birthdays. Because out of your adult celebrate your birthdays thing, we now have, it's my birthday week. It's my birthday month. And we have to fucking celebrate people for 30 goddamn days. Ooh, that was a rant. So we have Mamie Eisenhower. We have Dwight Eisenhower. We have Nixon. We have Henry Kissinger. We have all these famous historical figures that we're following in this past time. JFK. We have all these famous historical figures we're following in a past timeline. And like, it's meant to be like winky and naughty, like, oh, ha, 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 JFK got assassinated because he was going to spill alien secrets. Like, okay, it's a kind of fun way to like reframe historical events, but there's nothing beyond that. Like there was no deeper story, no deeper truth, no like, I don't know, no metaphor. There was nothing there. It was just like, LOL. Look what we did. Okay, cool. What What about it? And then the present timeline is just four college-age students who are all self-absorbed go out camping at like a Joshua Tree kind of place and then get impregnated by aliens, including the males. And they get taken to a place where they're going to gestate and then give birth to hybrids. That's it. That's their whole story. So... Again, so underdeveloped and all in the favor of like this past storyline where it's just wink, wink, nudge, nudge, LOL, look what we're doing. So like, I don't know, at least the, the past timeline was at least like fun in a really over the top campy, silly way. But then the present timeline was just barely there. Like, honest to God, I don't even know a single one of the main characters in that timeline, the four teens who got impregnated. I don't know any of their names. And their storyline moved so quickly. Two of the four were dead after three episodes. So they weren't even in the finale. I just didn't understand the purpose. And it, 
I don't know, like it was, like I said, it was fun, but there was, there was nothing to latch onto. Like, I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand why they split the season the way that they did between six and four. Like if you're going to like, at least do six and six. And if you only had a 10 episode order for the season, do five and five, especially because the red tide finale was the worst episode of the season. Like, sorry about it. Um, of that part of the season, at least. And then give another episode to Death Valley to, like, to develop it a little more. So why split six and four? Why split the four episodes into two timelines when you already have a condensed time frame to tell your story in? Why then also, like, constrain yourself to another time another time constraint (laughs) and because no one benefited from it neither timeline benefited from it we didn't get any real showcase for any of the actors i mean sarah paulson redeemed herself slightly because she was i think i said this after the red tide finale the like wildly terrible i thought in red tide and then in death valley she was a little better but like it just didn't make any sense. And then on top of that, why do an alien storyline when you're going to do nothing fresh or new or exciting? It was literally just aliens come down and then abduct people, experiment on people, impregnate people. Like, why are we fucking obsessed with alien sex? Why are we obsessed with alien sex? Why is every story of alien abduction like a straight white dude in the mountains somewhere in the middle of the country who's like, I got abducted and they stuck a finger in my butt? Why is that? Like, it was campy and ridiculous to see Richard Nixon get abducted by an alien and anally probed. Like, I understand the laugh there, but first of all, it is 2021. Why are we still laughing at, like, men getting their butts probed? Like, prostate exams are a fucking thing. Get over it. But then also, like, why is that the fear with aliens? Why is that immediately where our minds go with aliens? That, like, aliens are going to come here and they're going to impregnate us. Aliens are going to come here and they're going to anally rape us. Why? What makes us so self-centered to think that aliens are going to come to Earth and be like, oh, my God, I must mate with humans. Oh, my God, humans are superior to every... I must have their genetic material. Oh, my God, I love straight male human buttholes i must touch them i don't get it (laughs) like it doesn't make any fucking sense and i get that like part of alien horror as a trope is body horror you know like look at alien the movie with the exploding stomach like i get it that partially that like the at least the birth scenes in this in american horror story we're paying homage to that of like this long lineage of wretchedly disgusting and crazy alien births in movies. But like, if you're going to do an alien story, do something new. And if you're not going to do something new, at least fucking connect it to the alien story you already started telling like 10 years ago on Asylum. Did everyone forget that there were fucking aliens in the second season of American Horror Story Asylum? Because that season threw everything at the wall to see what would stick. And in my opinion, it was nothing. The pasta was not done. Put it back in the pot. That, like, there was randomly just an alien storyline where there was an alien appeared in, like, one episode and then it ended with Evan Peters' character, like, maybe being abducted by aliens. Why did we not go back to that? That, like, Evan Peters was not in the second half of this season of American Horror Story. 
why not bring him back as his character and have him be there? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. Why tell an alien storyline on American Horror Story if you're not going to connect it to the alien storyline you already started telling? I'm so confused. I don't understand. This is... What a wildly inconsistent season of American Horror Story, which, like, again, is no surprise. This happens very frequently with American Horror Story. But I kind of thought that, like, maybe they had reined it in for this season. And because they, like, had these ideas that, like, oh, they must have two really good ideas. They didn't. They did not. They did not. They had one, like, creative okay, cool idea. And then they had this other one, Death Valley Aliens, that was just like, I don't know, let's just retell every alien story that everyone's ever heard. I don't understand it was not, it's not worth the time. It's not worth your time. If you are, like, if you are someone who dropped out of American Horror Story, which a lot of people have over the years because it is so inconsistent, this is not something that's going to make you be like, oh, I should keep watching the show or I should watch the show when it comes back next year. It was stupid. Watch Red Tide if you miss American Horror Story and you want and, and you want to see like what could potentially be an interesting season. But you can fucking skip Death Valley. There is no reason for this to have existed. Let's do a little bit of a speed round of some stuff that I have been watching and just want to talk a little bit about, not a whole lot in depth. Um, so this happens quite often that, you know, like most of the TV that I like to watch is garbage and like there's nothing really to talk about or even to analyze or whatever. It's just, you know, it's like The Masked Singer <laughs> or Supermarket Sweep. I love both of those shows. Well, I love Supermarket Sweep. Masked Singer kind of sucks balls this season. So let's talk about, let's talk about that. Let's start with The Masked Singer then. I've talked about it before. I started loving this show. Like when the show first started, I... It was, it should have been terrible and it in a way is, but it's just so entertaining. And especially like in the first year of that pandemic in 2020, it was like a lifeline because it was just so escapist and stupid and silly, but I feel like I'm, I'm getting tired of it for sure. Um, it's been like the voice I feel like where it started out huge, right? Like huge audiences, lots of fun, unique spin on the typical singing format. And then to run with that initial success, um, it gave us like season after season and the impact kind of got dulled. And I don't know if they're like running out of celebrities to ask or <laughs> if they're like, like The Voice does, trying to cater to a very um, middle America, straight, white, older crowd. But the celebrities that they have been getting in the past couple of years are just terrible. And this season in particular, they're, oh God, they're bad. So this past week's episode revealed the hamster, who was a wild card, um, joining the competition, I like maybe the second or third episode, as Rob Schneider, who, I mean, he's, yeah, he's famous, but he's garbage. <laughs> I, he, whenever you see him in the news now, it's for like being trash and for, you know, saying don't get vaccinated, don't vaccinate your kids and cancel culture is coming for me and all this shit. And it's like, no, we just want you to grow up. 
Like, there's nothing funny about a man in his, what, 50s, 60s, 50s, I want to say, 50s, probably, almost 60s. Gotta be almost 60s, if not already. Like, making the same jokes for 30 plus years, that's not entertaining. Like, grow up at some point. You have to. You have to change. The world changes. You have to change. And he's not. Like, in the hamster costume, he was, like, pretending to pee on Nick Cannon's leg and all this stuff. Like, it just wasn't funny. And I don't know. I I, I feel like he's really never been funny. Like, he's funny in the context of, like, Adam Sandler movies. You know, he was, like, ridiculous and funny in The Waterboy and Big Daddy and stuff like that. But, like, his own movies are always garbage. Deuce Bigelow was fucking terrible. The Animal was terrible. The Hot Chick was terrible. It, the only good thing about The Hot Chick is that it gave us Rachel McAdams. And... Like, coupling that with last week or the week before, it was Larry the Cable Guy. Like, gross. Like, these celebrities are just not fun. And then you have, like, the Mallard who's on this season that I don't know if this is is who this is because I would never know. But, like, the popular guess on Twitter is that that is Willie Robertson from Duck Dynasty. And, like, if that's true, this is such a trash season of people. You want to have Larry the Cable Guy, Rob Schneider, and some dude from Duck Dynasty all in the same season? Like, get the fuck out of here. I don't know. And then, like, once was it last season or the season before, they had Caitlyn Jenner. And, like, I don't know. They just seem to always have these, like, really controversial, conservative, asshole celebrities on it. Like, last season, they had Tamara Mowry Housley, who, like, she's not problematic, but her husband is. They had Mark McGrath last season, who got married at Mar-a-Lago on New Year's Eve without masks. Like, Logan Paul was on it, who is such a garbage person in general. Like, always getting in trouble for being an asshole in his neighborhood and made that video in the suicide forest in Japan. Like, can we stop? Like, can we just be more conscious of giving these assholes a platform and like a place to try to revive or resuscitate a career? I don't like it. So on top of the format, just kind of like grading and like needing to, it doesn't need to change, but like maybe we need a break from it. Maybe we need new judges. Maybe we need fewer episodes and fewer contestants. Like there have been seven eliminations already. And there are still nine masks, 10 celebrities under nine masks still left. That's 16 masks. That's 17 celebrities. That's just too many. And then to introduce these wild cards, like, I feel like they're so all over the place. I don't like them. I don't like that format, really. I I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Maybe it's simply that we take... Uh, a season off like maybe we like maybe we don't need this in the spring maybe that'll make me more excited to come back in the fall and we go back to basics do like a season one or a season two where we just have a whole bunch of masks and we try to guess who they are that's the other problem this year is that they're they're not giving us clues like at all no clues so i noticed this during i think it was who performed last night um maybe it was during the bowl because I have a good feeling about who the bull is. I'm pretty sure it's Todrick Hall, um, you know, from YouTube and RuPaul's Drag Race, and he's a singer and all that stuff. I'm pretty sure it's Bull. I'm pretty sure Bull is Todrick Hall. But then I was watching the clip, like the clip's entrance or the, the clip intro where they usually give clues, and I didn't notice literally anything 
that could even be a clue. Like they're trying to conceal people's identities so much because so many people immediately can recognize people based on clues and voice together that I think they're like trying to make us just guess it by voice this year. Like we're getting such vague clues, like with the skunk, we're getting, we got like 90s R&B. Okay, well, that's a very wide array of people. <laughs> okay, so Mary J. Blige, Faith Evans. I don't, I mean, Tony Braxton, although she was already on, she was revealed this season. Like, I mean, that someone from In Vogue, someone from Escape. I, I <laughs> like, it's so vague. The clues are so vague and applicable to so many people that they become non-clues. So that's frustrating, especially because like the more we're getting these, I'm going to say it again, these like trash celebrities <laughs> or these people who aren't actually singers, then the less likely we are to know their voices. So when we're trying to guess who these people are by listening to their voices, we're not going to know who a lot of them are because we don't hear them speak. We're hearing them sing. So if it's someone we're not used to hearing sing, we're not going to know who it is. Or they're super obvious, like Banana Split, I mean, my God, it is very like one note. And it was like, this is Catherine McPhee. And then especially because it's a couple's mask and her husband, David Foster is not singing only playing the piano. Like we know it's David Foster. Like it's just, I don't like it this year. I don't like it. I'm bored with it. I fast forward through half the episode. I don't, I barely listen to the clue packages. I'm not really invested in who is underneath a lot of these masks because I don't think they're all that talented this season. Um, and I'm just kind of curious about some of them, but I don't really care about a lot of them either. I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated with this season and I don't really particularly like it. Maybe you do. That's great if you do, but I might need a break soon. Um, okay. So also what else am I watching? Uh, Hightown came back to stars for season two, um, Sunday the 17th. So almost nobody I know has stars or watches stars or watches anything on there. And this is the only thing that I watch on stars is Hightown. And the only reason I watch it is because it's set in Provincetown and Provincetown is my favorite place on the face of the earth. <laughs> so season one, I liked, it's a drug drama. It's about a woman who is, she's lesbian, lives on Provincetown on Cape Cod. She's works for the fishery services. So she's like an ocean cop and she hates her life because she's so bored and She's an alcoholic and she does drugs occasionally, but she tries to get into recovery in season one and she gets caught up in the drug trade on the Cape when she finds a dead body outside of on the beach and she tries to help the cops figure out who it was and it gives her life a little bit of purpose. Um, but in the meantime, she's like spiraling out of control with like sex and drugs and drinking and she drunk she drives drunk a couple times and she's a mess and like over the course of the season her confidant and her aa sponsor ends up going back to drugs and overdosing and that gives her life purpose in season two so she helps to bring down or at least expose this drug trade she helps put away a drug dealer who committed that this murder and gets shot in the process and it it really injects her with life for season two. We come back and she is working undercover or trying to work undercover with the cops. She's a liaison, still working her fishery job, um, but is sober now and seems to be doing well, is now friends with the cop that she was helping last season, who's been um, 
not discharged, who's been suspended because he had a legal relationship with an informant. The informant's husband is a high-level drug dealer who's just been released from prison. It's super complicated. It's basically a drama about being a lesbian on Cape Cod and drugs. <laughs> um, I really like it because, again, I love Provincetown. The second season was shot in, over the last uh, year in uh, the off-season of Provincetown, which was also when American Horror Story Red Tide, the first half of this season, was shot. And to me, I love going to Provincetown in season, obviously, but I'm always curious about what the off season is like there because it, the population goes down to almost nothing. It's in the middle of the ocean, literally. So like the winters are so harsh and I can imagine that it is as bleak as these two series are making it seem where they're like, there's no one there. Everything is closed up, like boarded up, literally boarded up with plywood because of potential storms over the season with signs being like, we'll see you in six months. And so it's desolate. It's isolated. And what do you do then you drink and you do drugs. So like, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with like the drug trade starting to ramp up in the off season. And also that's going to test Jackie's sobriety. Um, I think the only problem I have with the show is that it is not realistic in its portrayal of gayness on Provincetown having been there many times myself, this show makes it seem like there are a lot more lesbians and straight people in Provincetown than there are. <laughs> there are almost no gay men on this show. There are no gay male, like, named characters on this show. The only gay male character in the first season that we ever saw beyond, like, extras at the boat slip for tea dance scenes was Jackie's landlord, who had, like, three lines in one episode. And we see he pops up in the season premiere as well for season two. But that is unrealistic. There are a lot of gay men in Provincetown, including in the off season. So I would love to see some more realism there with like some actual gay male characters instead of just Jackie being a lesbian and hooking up with a bunch of women and having lesbian friends and lesbian drug dealers and stuff. Um, I would like to see some dicks. <laughs> there are so many scenes of female nudity on this show. And the fact that this show is written and directed by women, and we're still seeing this like objectification of women's bodies so frequently and so often is a little disturbing as well. Especially because we see so many of these women having sex with men. And we see men in these compromising positions. Like we see Abruzzo, the main... Um, the main cop, who's the main male character, lead male character, we see him having sex quite often, but we never see him naked. But we see the women he's having sex with topless and bottomless. And like, it's just, it's strange that even the female directors on the show are framing this and lensing this for the male gaze. It's very odd. I, I would just like to see some more equity with the nudity. Either like get rid of the nudity or like, Show me a dick. <laughs> Show the dick. So that is back Sundays at nine o'clock on Stars. If anybody would like to catch up, it's really interesting in the way that it deals with um, issues of addiction and how like work. Like it doesn't make this direct comparison, but I mean it's kind of you know an underlying theme that like work is an addiction for especially police officers. Um, 
like I think that's an interesting angle that we we don't talk about like work addiction because we tend to think of that as a quote unquote healthy addiction if we think of it as an addiction at all. But it is an addiction. Like maybe it's not going to kill you in the same way that drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or something or food may kill you. But like you can, you know, you're going to run yourself down eventually. <laughs> so I, I like Hightown. This season is longer than season one. Season one was eight episodes. Season two is going to be 10. And I'm, I'm really curious to see where it goes. We have some new cast members. The whole dynamic of the show has changed. Like season two is basically a soft reboot with the same cast, but like completely switching up the story. So I am interested in the season. So that's going to be coming up. What else do I watch? Survivor is, I mentioned the premiere episode when I reviewed it that I was very excited to have like a back to basic season of Survivor. That's not happening. <laughs> um, it is very confusing. I feel like as soon as I mentioned that in my review of how excited I was that it was going to be like, we're just taking all your food and you have to survive. Like it's actually a lot more complicated and they're introducing a lot of new advantages. And like, there's this three way hidden immunity idol where if you find it, um, one person from each tribe finds the same clue and it's not the hidden immunity idol is inactive for everyone until all three find it. So for like three weeks now we've had one tribe has found it and has been saying the secret phrase you have to say add immunity to like trigger the other two tribes to know that you have it and they have to say their secret phrase and it's stupid shit like i truly believe that butterflies are just dead relatives saying hi and broccoli is just little trees like it's just so dumb we have to keep hearing it and then finally this week it was activated thank god because the third tribe finally found it so now everyone has a hidden immunity idol but then before that like the people who found it and said the phrase, if the other tribes didn't find it, that person had no vote. So for like three episodes now, this one person on this one tribe has not been able to vote. It's so dumb. And like, that's dumb. And there's like all these new advantages and like they're pulling people out of their tribes to go on these like little sojourns where they can win advantages and make connections. And like, that's interesting, but it's also just like fucking with the game. And it's, I just want to see people play Survivor. <laughs> Uh, and the three tribes, like, I get that it's a COVID protocol and shit, but, like, uh, one tribe, as always happens when there's three tribes, has been completely decimated. They're down to two people as of this week's last episode. So this week they're going to have to switch something up because it's two people on one tribe. So clearly we're going to have to merge or something. So that's been annoying. And I just feel like the way that the season's been set up so far, we're getting to know so few people well enough that... Either th these like few, these two people on this decimated tribe, and then maybe one or two others on other tribes, like they're either going to be the final three, or if they aren't making final three, then it's going to have felt like a waste of time because we've been spending so much time with them because of the way the episodes have been set up and the way the gameplay has been set up. That if they then leave, we're going to have to like meet all new people, or all new people are going to win that we haven't got the chance to meet because they've been winning challenges. So there's no drama to follow. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this one tribe keeps losing. So we keep following them that because we need to know what's going to happen because they're the only ones going to tribal. But then if those two people who are left on that don't win, we had to follow them because they're the only tribe doing anything right now that once we hit the merge, like we're going to have to meet all new people. Basically it's a very, it's very strange. It's a little frustrating and I don't know. I really, I wish they had gone back to that 
back to basics thing that I thought they were going to do. And they're not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, what else? Batwoman is back. I'm loving Batwoman so far this season. Um, it's really exciting. It's really fun. No, I'm not going to talk about the Ruby Rose of it all because I don't care. Uh, but the show itself is just, it's really good. I love Javicia Leslie. Um, I love the dynamic they introduced by finding her birth mother who gave her up and also covered her tracks so no one would know that she was um, Ryan's mom, that she'd ever existed. And they're doing like a rogues gallery season where it's like a bunch of villains from Batman. So the first episode we got the Mad Hatter and the second episode we got Killer Croc. And then there's the promise of Poison Ivy. And, you know, at the end of season two, potentially Mr. Freeze. So like we're going through some of the greatest hits of the villains and I'm excited for that. So I highly recommend that as well. That's That has moved from Sundays to Wednesdays at nine o'clock on the CW and you can always catch up on the CW app. Um, I'm really loving that. I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than I think it's a lot of fun. It's one of the shows I'm currently looking forward to most each week because it's um, dramatic and funny and full of action and entertaining. And like, I can shut my mind off just a little bit, but not completely to where I'm just like zoned out. Like I am currently with the masked singer. So yeah, I recommend that as well. Um, but stay tuned for our recommendation for the week. Cause that's all I got for right now. <laughs> On Monday, there is the fourth season premiere of the CW's all American followed by the premiere of its new version. I don't know if it's a reboot or a sequel or a remake. I'm not entirely sure of the 4,400 called just 4,400 and then Below Deck returns to Bravo for season nine. And there's also a Halloween special of American Dad on TBS at 9.30. On Tuesday, uh, Bering Seagold returns. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I included it because in the press release, they mentioned how many people watch it. So I guess if you're an 80-year-old listening to this podcast, maybe you watch Bering Seagold. And The Last OG returns to TBS. On Thursday, HBO Max is releasing season two of its anthology series, Love Life. The first season starred Anna Kendrick. The second season is starring William Jackson Harper from The Good Place. Also, Selena and Chef returns to HBO Max. There is the new Star Trek animated series, Star Trek Prodigy, premiering on Paramount+. And Walker returns to the CW. On Friday, Amazon has a new adult animated series releasing called Fairfax. Netflix releases Colin in Black and White, which is the uh, drama based on Colin Kaepernick's growing up. And Apple TV Plus is also releasing a sports bio series in Swagger, which is based on the life of basketball player Kevin Durant. And then on Sunday, Doctor Who returns to PBS for finales. We have Halloween Baking Championship ending on Food Network, Hulu airing the second season finale of Wu-Tang, an American saga, the third season of Creep Show ending on Shudder, the third season of What We Do in the Shadows on FX, and Halloween Wars ending on Food Network as well. I gotta get those Halloween shows out the way because November 1st is next Monday and all the Christmas is going to be happening, so prepare yourselves. <laughs> So my recommendation for this week is not a traditional recommendation in that it is not something that I enjoy and think that you would also enjoy or would hope that you would also enjoy. It is something that I want people to watch, 
because it is so absurd. And I don't mean that in like a purposeful way. Like it's not theater of the absurd or something like that. I mean absurd in that I don't really understand how it exists in the format that it exists. And I don't know, maybe I need people to like verify that yes, this is real. And yes, this is as bad as you think it is. Um, or if you just love train wrecks, you could check this out. So my quote unquote recommendation, the thing that I would like everyone to experience, <laughs> maybe that's my experience for the week, um, is I know what you did last summer on Amazon Prime. Now, I mentioned this was premiering a couple of weeks ago, and I was somewhat looking forward to it. I love, I know what you did last summer, the movie from the 90s, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Phillippe, Freddie Prince Jr., Johnny Galecki, Anne Heche. Love that movie. I think it vastly improved upon Lois Duncan's book, which like is meant for a younger audience. So that makes sense. You know, like Lois Duncan wrote, you know, what we would now call middle grade books, I think, like books that are kind of aimed at middle schoolers in a way. And you know, I know what you did last summer, the book is just, it's tragic and it's sad, but like, it, it's a sad story. It's not a horror story per se. Like, it's not about someone going on murdering people. That was added for the movie to capitalize on the success of Scream. And it was written by the person who wrote Scream, Kevin Williamson, who also wrote Dawson's Creek and Vampire Diaries and other stuff. But regardless, the TV version is... I thought when it was announced, maybe this was my own stupidity for assuming because it was through Amazon that it was going to more closely follow the book. Maybe they miscommunicated something. Maybe I read someone who was incorrect. I don't know. But I thought it was going to be closer to the book. Like it wasn't going to be a slasher series. Um, but no, it's, it's not a slasher series per se. It's also not in line with the book which was basically about someone stalking the people who caused the accident where the kid died. Um, this is similar. It's the basic premise of a bunch of teenagers hit someone with their car, dispose of a body, and then a year later are stalked by someone. That's, that's the extent of it. But everything else in the show is just so confusing. Like, that is a very straightforward premise, I feel like make a mistake, it comes back to haunt you. Like, it's basically the premise of every horror movie, which I'm sure is why Kevin Williamson rewrote it as a slasher film. You know, it's you make a mistake, and then at some point, it comes back to bite you in the ass. And that does happen in the TV series. I've watched two episodes, three episodes. See, it's so, it's, I don't even know how much I have watched because I, I cannot actually follow it. And it's so confusing because they try to add so much to pad it out. It's going to be eight episodes. And I mentioned this with something else that I was reviewing and I forget what it was already. Uh, One of us is lying. That's what it was. That like, this is a simple story. It's a straightforward book. It's, it does not need to be eight hours long. It should not be eight hours long. It's too much. You have to add too much shit. It, it bloats it and then it gets confusing and it gets stupid. And that's what is only two, maybe three, again, I don't know, episodes into this series is what is happening. Like, there are so many characters, 
And the characters that are there are so confusing. So like the whole premise of this series, and this is like kind of a spoiler, but not really, like they're not revealing it in any of the synopses, but it happens before the end of the first episode. And it really will determine whether or not you enjoy the show. So like, I'm going to spoil the first of eight episodes. So like, if you are legit interested in watching and want no spoilers, just end the episode here. But the end of the first episode, the person that dies in the accident is the main character's twin sister. And it's the age old, one is good, one is bad, one party's hard, one is smart, one's going to college, one's not like the... And again, I do not actually know which one is dead. I think in the context of the show, so it's the... So the group thinks that they kill Allison, who is the good twin. But they actually killed Lennon, who is the quote-unquote bad, the hard partying twin. So then Allison, the good twin, assumes the identity of Lennon, the bad twin, to cover it all up. Because, I don't know, when they hit her, Allison, Lennon... The dead one. See, this is why I'm so fucking confused. Because it happens in the first episode, so we don't actually get to know who these fucking people are. So when the twin dies at the beginning, they just assume that it's... <sighs> I have to stop and think about it every fucking time. They assume that it is Allison who dies. And Lennon does not correct them. No, Allison does not correct them and be like, wait, actually, no, this is Lennon. She just starts living her life as Lennon. Why? This makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. And literally, you. it took me so long to just even get through that. And I'm not that little bit. I'm not even sure that I said it correctly. Like, I'm not even sure that's actually what happened. Like, I'm not even sure that I got the names right. And I'm not sure I got the personalities right. I cannot keep it straight. And that's all I think about while I'm watching the show. Is like, wait, which one is this? Who do they think she is? I know at the by the end of the second episode, everyone thinks that she is Lennon because they start getting stalky text messages from a phone number that comes up as Allison and is supposed to be dead. So I know that Allison is supposed to be dead and Lennon is supposed to be alive. But then I also know that because the other twin is pretending to be it, that it's actually Allison that it's, that's alive and Lennon that's dead. I, I, if you still are interested in this show after hearing that, good for you. You have a lot more tolerance than I do. And I just, there's something about like a potentially magic cave where they dump the body and like a cult that all killed themselves there at one point. It takes place on Hawaii for no fucking reason other than to like be pretty. It is, the acting is terrible. It's, I... It's so unbelievably bad and unbelievably is the key word because I keep watching it. I'm like, this can't, they, why did they complicate this so much? Like at some point this has to become fun, right? Like that was the literal whole point of the, I know what you did last summer movie is that it was fun. That's why people love it so much. It is crazy fun. Like Everyone knows that scene of Jennifer Love Hewitt stomping around in the middle of the road going, what are you waiting for? Like everyone knows that scene because it's ridiculous and it's fun. 
Like there is a body in the back of a trunk crawling with crabs. That is insanity, but it's fun. And that movie's like an hour and 25 minutes. The shit moves along. Through two episodes, we're already at longer than the movie was. And almost nothing has happened until the last four minutes of the second episode. I, I'm baffled by this show. And then on top of it, Amazon's rollout of it is only adding to my confusion. Like rather than releasing the entire series all at once, they released four episodes in the first week. And then the next four episodes, they're releasing one at a time on subsequent Fridays. Why? Halloween, which you would think the reason that they did that they released this when they did is that they want to capitalize on like people's hunger for horror during October and leading up to Halloween. Why then is this show ending on November 12th? I don't understand. Why would you like do what Peacock is doing where they're doing like three episodes, three episodes, two episodes, or do four episodes and then four episodes the next week, but to do four episodes and then one, 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 and you're ending when everyone's trying to find Christmas programming. This is how marketing works, Amazon. As of November 1st, everything goes to Christmas. You'll probably already see it happening. Like I was at Target last week and there's already some Christmas stuff out. My grocery store already has one very small section of Christmas candy in the seasonal aisle. It's already happening and Halloween isn't over. Countdown to Christmas started this weekend on Hallmark Channel. 24-hour Christmas movies on both of their channels. We're already making the switch. On November 12th, no one wants to still be watching a slasher TV series. I'm very confused. Check it out. Let me know that, please let me know if I'm crazy for hating it or if I'm not crazy for hating it because I'm legitimately just, I don't, I'm baffled. I'm baffled. It doesn't make any sense. (sighs) What day is it? The first five episodes are available on Amazon Prime now. (laughs) Again, how stupid does that sound? Halloween is in less than a week and the whole series is now. So dumb. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fake TV Critic. I'll be back next week with more recaps, more reviews, more news, more analysis, and more recommendations. Have a good week, everyone.